0: Welcome to the pastor's study. Well, we are in Christmas time, so I thought we would preach on the Christmas cast of characters. Let me show you this. Here is my manger scene that I got at a garage sale, and I wanna learn one lesson from the angels, one lesson from the shepherds, one lesson from the three wise men here, and one lesson from Mary, and one lesson from Joseph, and then of course the main lesson is going to be about the baby. So let us do this. Let us preach through the Christmas cast of characters. Let's pray first. Father, we pray in this Christmas season as people can get lost in all of the unimportant, non-true meaning of Christmas. Pray, Lord, now that you help each of us focus in on what this season is supposed to be about. Teach us now about what happened the day you were born in Jesus name we pray amen all right first the angels what lesson do we learn from angels by the way the bible never says angels have wings the bible never says angels play harps or have halos um angels can look like normal humans it can so here's the first lesson though i want you to learn from the angels they exist Angels exist. Um, I've been a pastor many years and now and then somebody will tell me their angel story. I heard one last week. The volunteer that does the finances for this ministry his name is Dale. He's 74 years old. He told me last week 15 years ago he's on the construction site. He has a heart attack, hits the dirt, he dies for like a minute And when he came back to life, the doctors were amazed. But he told me, during that minute, I was falling through a dark abyss, and I landed in this bright room, and sitting at a table were two men in bright apparel, and they said to me, you have to get up. You have to get up. And then, boom, I'm back on the construction site, and I got up. And that was his angel story. And I said to him, maybe God had you get back up so you could run the finances for our ministry. So the first thing I want you to learn about angels is they exist. Hebrews 13 verse 2 says, be careful how you treat strangers. Could be an angel unawares. Years ago, a friend of mine said that she and her friend were in her friend's apartment, on the couch, talking about Jesus. Her friend had all these questions and was not a believer at this point. A knock came on the door. A guy came into their living room, sat down, and answered this woman's questions perfectly. He get ups and leaves, and the woman says to her Christian friend, "Who was that? A friend of yours?" Uh, and she said, "No, I thought he was a friend of yours." And the Christian woman said, let's go find out who he was. And the unbeliever said, no, I wonder if that was an angel. So the first lesson we learn about angels, no, they don't have wings and halos, but they exist. Second lesson we wanna learn from today is from this person, the shepherd. <laughs> Here's what we, we learned from the shepherds. God wants to save the morally vile. The shepherds in first century Palestine were considered the scum of society. If you were a shepherd, you could not give evidence in court because you were considered to be a liar. So the roughest of the rough tended to be the shepherds. But who's the first group that hears the good news that Jesus is born? The shepherds. So the point being, God wants to save people who think they are so vile, God can't save them. Years ago on this TV show, we had a former prostitute who lived for prostitution for years, comes out of it, comes to Christ, and now she has a ministry helping women out of prostitution. Uh, We've had people who've had abortions. We've done whole shows on women who've had abortions and and they regret it now, but God's forgiven them. And so they start a ministry to women who have had abortions. No matter what you've done, remember the shepherds. David, King David, who was a shepherd boy, King David grew up and committed murder and adultery. God forgave him. God wants to save the morally vile. I'm I'm a Lutheran. And Catholics do this a lot more than Protestants, but we Protestants should do it more, what's called confession absolution. And now and then, it should happen more often, but now and then somebody comes to a Lutheran pastor and says, I'd like to confess my sins. And then they confess their sins and I put my hand on their head and I announce to them the entire forgiveness of all their sins. Well, I remember my professor at seminary saying that he was a pastor at a church in Washington state And he's sitting in his office, and he gets a knock on the door. He opens his office door, and here's this big, burly, scary motorcycle guy standing in his door. And he said, I wondered if I should put my dukes up. It was scary. And the the motorcycle guy says, Father, I'm here to confess my sins. And my professor said, well, you need to know I'm not a Catholic priest. I'm a Lutheran pastor, but come in he said the guy sat down and confessed some of the worst sins he'd ever heard and then he said I put my hand on his greasy head I remember him saying that I announced to you the entire forgiveness in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit and then he said to the motorcycle man we proclaim this confession every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning in our church service, we confess our sins, and then the pastor announces that through Christ, your sins are forgiven. I want you to start coming to church. And and his point was, God wants to save the morally vile. If you think you're too sinful for God, think again. The story is that back in the 1500s, Martin Luther had a barber, very guilt-ridden man, and one day he's cutting Luther's hair, and, oh, Dr. Luther, I'm so sinful, I'm going to hell. No way God could save or forgive me. And Martin Luther said, sir, never be so so vain to think that you can out-sin the grace of God. What I learned from the shepherds is that God wants to save the lowest of the low, the dregs of society, no matter what sin you have committed. If you'll come to Christ, ask his forgiveness and trust in him, God will save you. Next, we turn to the wise men. Here are the wise men, and I'll just pick up one of them here. What do we learn from the wise men? we learned that God wants to save the intellectually confused. Wise men were into st- following astrology and you know, reading omens and all this kind of stuff. And you know, maybe you read astrology charts or you're into tarot cards or you consult psychics. You need to put all that away. That's intellectual confusion. Uh, I don't even read my fortune cookie. Because I want God, not the stars, to run my life. When when I'm at the the bookstore in the mall and I see the big, large New Age section and people picking those books up and buying them, I stop and I pray for those people. Lord, save them from intellectual confusion. I heard this story very recently. This pastor said that he was uh, at, here we go, a pastor said that, he was talking to a pastor from the Dominican Republic down in the Caribbean where there's lots of intellectual confusion, black magic, voodoo. Well this pastor said from the Dominican Republic said a man started coming to my church and came for a while and then he said pastor can I invite you to my home. And so I went to his home. It turns out the man was a voodoo witch doctor and here's all these voodoo dolls on his shelf one of which looked just like the pastor (laughs) and the voodoo doctor said you know my spells work on everybody except you how come my spells don't work on you and the pastor said because i have a power in me that you can't touch i have jesus christ living in my heart would you like to have this higher power than your black magic would you like to have jesus living in your heart and the witch doctor said i would and they got on their knees, they prayed, the witch doctor accepted Christ, burned his black magic books, burned his voodoo dolls, and that former witch doctor now travels with the pastor throughout the Dominican Republic, preaching the gospel from village to village. (laughs) Isn't that a great story? And the point is, if you're into the new age movement, tarot cards, astrology, put that all away, put away the um, intellectual confusion Pick up your Bible, join a good church, because Jesus wants to save the intellectually confused. (coughs) Next, we're going to learn a lesson from Mary. What does Mary teach us? Well, our lesson from Mary is, submission brings blessing. The angel says, Mary, you're gonna have a baby. Mary says, I can't have a baby, I'm a virgin. The angel says, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you. And Mary says to the angel, be it done to me according to your will. In other words, I submit. And boy, did she get blessed by submitting to the Lord. She says, henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. That's why we talk about the blessed Virgin Mary. What I learned from Mary is, you submit to God's will, you'll get blessed. I'll tell you what I thought of. Years ago, the third year of seminary, if you're a Lutheran, is you go off somewhere and you're a practice preacher for a year. Then you come back for a year, then you're a pastor. So for my practice year, you can request wherever you like, but you you won't necessarily get it. So I wrote down Hawaii, California, and Florida. (laughs) I wanted to get out of Minnesota. And I've always lived in a city. Where did they put me? Axtell, Kansas this little town in the middle of nowhere in Kansas. And I i was so um, tense, upset, you know, whatever the word was, and it really threw me. Until finally, I got on my knees next to my bed and I said, okay, Lord, if you want me to go to Axtel, Kansas, I will go. And I got peace. And it ended up, I ended up not going to Axtell, Kansas, I ended up going to Indiana. <laughs> but the point is, if you will just submit to God's will for your life like Mary, you'll be blessed and you'll be a blessing to others. So what I learned from Mary is submit to the Lord. Next, let's learn a lesson from Joseph here. What do we learn from Joseph? Here's the lesson I learned. God uses the nobodies. I mean, here's Joseph, he was a carpenter, he was poor, very possibly he couldn't even read, but God went right past the hot shots in the world, the Caesar Augustuses and the King Herods and the Pontius Pilate. He could have chosen them to raise the Christ child. God chose a, quote, nobody to raise the Christ child, which teaches me God uses nobodies. I mean, what the devil will say to me and to you, you know, your life doesn't matter that much. What you're doing just really doesn't have any big significance. You're not that important. And we need to remember, Joseph, God uses the little nobodies in the world to do his will. And I get this from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Paul writes for consider your calling brothers, there were not many of you wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, so the things that are not, the things that are not he has chosen, that he might nullify the things that are, that no one should boast before God. (laughs) So, God uses the nobodies. I'm thinking right now of a multi-billionaire. If I named him, you know who he was. He's using his billions to send abortion suction machines around the world to increase abortions in the world. You know what? God is not using that billionaire. He's an atheist, by the way. But he's using little people like you and me to do his work. All right, lastly... Let's learn the main lesson, and that's from the baby Jesus. What's the main lesson of Christmas? Here's the main lesson I learned from Jesus. On Christmas, we don't get what we deserve, we get grace. On Judgment Day, don't ask God to give you what you deserve. You don't want that. You want grace on Judgment Day. Let's talk about grace. When I was a kid, Christmas posed a problem because you're supposed to be good to get Santa to bring you presents. My brother and I were never good. We fought nonstop growing up. Poor mom. Mom would say, you boys are going to drive me to the nut house, and when I get there, don't bring me back. (laughs) Well, I have a clear memory of this. I was eight years old. My brother, Mark, was seven. We run down the stairs Christmas morning to the den where the tree is, and underneath the tree for Christmas, is one red bike that we were supposed to share, and that was it. And we look at mom, mom, where are all the presents? Well, you boys weren't good this year. This is all Santa brought. Mom left the room. Mark and I stare at each other. How can this be? And something in me knew this cannot be. (laughs) And I remember walking down the hall into the living room. Mom was laying on the couch reading Reader's Digest, tons of presents all over the floor and i learned that year at christmas we don't get what we deserve we get grace and let me define the word grace grace means god's unearned favor here's what grace means i'm a sinner i deserve hell i deserve to be punished for my sins but instead at christmas god gave me grace god came down from heaven became a human being jesus lived on the earth perfectly because he was God and never sinned. He went to the cross when he was about 33 years old, paid for our sins so we could be forgiven, rose from the dead, and now God promises us when we trust in the Lord Jesus and believe in him, our sins are forgiven, we're going to heaven. In other words, we're saved by the grace of God, by what Christ did for us on the cross. That is what we get at Christmas time, not what we deserve. Hallelujah. (laughs) All right. Well, let's ask the final question which person in the christmas scene are you are you the angel well maybe angels can temporarily look like humans are you the shepherd do you think you are too morally vile for god to save you no god can forgive anybody anything are you one of the uh wise men and are you intellectually confused jesus came to save you from that are you mary Are you uh, submitting to the will of God for your life? Then you're gonna be blessed. Are you Joseph, you think you're a nobody? Well, God chooses to use the nobodies of this world, so don't give up, keep doing whatever you're supposed to do. And then lastly, remember whatever you're at in this whole scene, everybody needs Jesus who will save you from sin, death, hell, voodoo, black witchcraft, uh, uh, intellectual confusion, He's the reason we're here. We're saved by his grace and nothing else. Amen.
1: Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us not only his knowledge of scripture, but his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, when you talk about grace, I always think of an old minister that we had that taught me something very young. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E, that's good. Yeah, and so that's, you know, we just need to remember that Mm -hmm. every day. Yes. Okay, where do we start here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is it possible to meet an angel without knowing it?
0: Yes, it is, Uh, because in Hebrews, what is it, 13? Hebrews chapter 13 says, Be careful how you treat strangers. Some of you have entertained angels without knowing it. So they can look like humans. Again, it never says in the Bible they have wings or a halo. So they can temporarily look like humans.
1: So where did angels actually come from?
0: Well, you know, they're created (laughs) beings. And so sometime, I believe, before the creation of of the world God made the angels so they're not eternal only God's eternal but God did create the angels they're created beings and their purpose is to serve us believe it or not it says I think in Hebrews that the angels are sent forth to serve you know believers so we have guardian angels yes we do Jesus said be careful how you treat kids because they're guardian th- They're angels he says ever behold my father's face in heaven
1: hmm. so so where did the demons come from then
0: the theory is and you know uh, uh,
1: people God created everything right
0: did god create the devil
1: well here's the
0: theory god created the angels some of them rebelled and became the devil and demons i think that's a good theory because the bible does talk about fallen angels but it doesn't it doesn't really clearly tell us the story of how the devil became the devil some people think that the chapter in ezekiel and isaiah are talking about the devil but really i think it's the ezekiel passages. they're talking about the king of tyre they're not talking about the devil so how the devil became the devil is a bit of a mystery but again we know he's finite he's not eternal like god is and did god create the devil well ultimately god created everything so yeah okay
1: so will we become angels yeah. when we die
0: people think when we'll die we'll become angels it never says that here's where they're miscon- misconstruing a verse jesus said uh you, we will become like angels in the sense that we'll be single so you won't be married to your spouse in heaven you'll be single because we don't need marriage in heaven because People don't die up there, so we don't need to repopulate with new children. There's not marriage in heaven. Uh, But uh, I think you'll know your spouse if if he or she was a believer, but there's no marriage in heaven. We become like angels, but only in that sense.
1: So do angels actually fly and have wings like you see all the pictures? Yeah.
0: You know, in the Old Testament, the seraphim uh, were a kind of a creature that, you know, holy, holy, holy in Isaiah, what is it, chapter... Uh, four or five? I could have that wrong. But so the, the seraphim had wings and flew, but I think that's a different order than the angels. And there's no, it never says the angels, the word angel means messenger. It never says they had wings.
1: Okay. Did the wise men, I mean, were they like scientists or astronomers or how did they you know, learn know? Yeah all about okay. following a star.
0: Jackie, nothing's wa- wrong with astronomy. That's, that's studying the stars. There is something wrong with astrology, Astrology, which is where you let Pluto and Mars determine what you're going to do that oh. day. So <coughs> they were kind of ancient astronomers, but also astrologers. They, they, uh, they were uh, So they were into stuff they shouldn't have been into, but they were confused. They didn't know the true God. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, who exactly were the wise men then, yeah. and where did, did they come okay, from? Okay,
0: let's do this. We three kings of Orient are. There's three mistakes in that hey, carol. We three kings. It never says there were three wise men. It says they brought three gifts: frankincense, gold, and myrrh. And people assume that means there were three wise men. Could have been f- thirty wise men bringing three gifts. You know. Never so thought of that. Yeah. So we three <laughs> kings. They weren't kings. They were wise men. They had influence with kings. They, they, had, they were like the consultants. The kings would consult the wise men, but they weren't kings. And the th- we three kings from Orient are. Well, they weren't really from the Orient, like we think of Orient. They were more probably from Persia, which is modern Iran. So, uh, or is it Iraq? Anyway, the, the three wise men were more from that area than from China, we'll say.
1: Okay. Did the wise men actually arrive on Christmas night?
0: Actually, we don't think so because, do you remember when Herod wants to kill the babies to get rid of baby Jesus, he kills everybody from two years of age and under after the wise men visited Herod. And then they went home by another way because the angel said, don't go back to Herod. So probably the baby Jesus was up to two years old when the wise men showed up. Also, it says they visited him not in the stable. It says they visited him
1: in a house. Yeah. Okay. So what is the New Age movement mm-hmm. teaching today? The,
0: the New Age movement teaches that we are God. We all have the God-Christ consciousness in ourselves. Therefore, we are God. The mountains are God. Everything is God. Uh, the New Age movement often teaches reincarnation, that when you die, you come back to the planet as a another person or a horse or a cow. Uh, the new age movement basically teaches, you know, you get into crystals, you get into yoga, you get in touch with your inner self and they think you are God, your inner self is God. The Bible says, no, our father art in heaven. <laughs> we are separate from God and we are not to confuse ourselves with God.
1: Okay. What exactly does the word incarnation mean? Yeah.
0: Incarnation, uh, Greek karnas means flesh. The incarnation of God happened when God became flesh. Jesus became a human being. So that's a good thing. We believe in the incarnation. We don't, and we believe it only happened once. You don't, you know, Mormons believe in thousands of gods and that you can become a god someday. Mormons believe that our god that we worship didn't used to be god. He became god on another planet. They kind of believe in many incarnations of god. Uh, Hindus believe in reincarnation. And the verse that says, no, reincarnation is you come, keep coming back till, to earth till you get it right, and then you're absorbed. Uh, and Hebrews chapter 9 or 10 says, it is appointed unto man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So when you die, it's heaven or hell. You don't keep coming back to earth.
1: Okay. Why was it necessary for Jesus to be born of a virgin?
0: Yep. Adam and Eve sinned. In the garden, we we're all kicked out of the garden, we all became sinners. And it's called original sin that we're born sinful. You don't become sinful when you're eight years old, you're born sinful. And Jackie, when you were raising your little children, you didn't have to teach them how to be bad, you did have to teach them how to be good. <laughs> <laughs> so even little 2-year-olds can be poking people in the eye and this kind of stuff. So we're all born sinners. How does God prevent Jesus from being born with original sin? It's by the supernatural, what's called the virgin birth of Christ where the Holy Spirit put the baby Jesus inside of Mary.
1: Okay. So wouldn't Mary have have to have been sinless for her for Jesus not to be affected?
0: Yeah. Now, if you're a Catholic, um, you believe that Mary was sinless too, but the Bible never says that. It just says that Jesus was sinless. And so, if you go, you know, if Mary had to be perfect for Jesus to be perfect, then Mary's mother had to be perfect for Mary to be perfect. All the way back to Eve, and that doesn't work. So
1: we're really down to the end so i think we want to take a minute to wish everybody a very special holiday
0: yeah you bet everybody thank you for watching the show pray for our show we ask you to pray about um supporting our show because we don't want to cut back we'd rather expand so there's the pastorstudy.org if you our move to uh, uh, support us so we can expand our TV show this coming year. You can do that online. There's an address coming up where you can send support through the mail. But pray for our ministry, thank you for, for uh, helping us be on the air, but we'd rather expand than cut back. so please pray, and God bless you and have a great Christmas. Thank you for watching the Pastor study.